Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Father, we just bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We exalt you, God. We thank you because you are the one through which the entire earth and the universe is reconciled. And so we thank you now for the power of that blood, the blood of Jesus that brings us all together. To your name and name alone, be honor, glory, power, and praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much, praise team. That was very powerful, very inspiring. I feel sanctified in my soul this morning. Glory to God because of the Lamb of God that was slain to reconcile, to bring us all back together unto himself. And so this morning, we're coming to you from Walkfine World Outreach Church for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. We want to welcome all of you, friends and family from far and near, as we celebrate this Lord's Day together. Our vision here is to build strong families and to serve global communities. And so we are delighted that you've chosen to spend your Sunday with us, and we thank God for your life, for keeping you, for blessing you, and we are grateful that the plague will never come into your dwelling place in Jesus' name. And so before I get into the message this morning, I have a couple of dates I want you to mark. Two dates I want you to mark. Date number one, August 16th, in two or three weeks, in three weeks, August 16th. On that Sunday morning from Walkfan, we're going to be doing what we call the Harp and Bowl Service. Harp and Bowl Service. That's coming from you, God, coming to you from Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, where God gave uh, the inspiration for worship and prayer being mixed together. So from our service here on Sunday, August 16th, we're going to have a harp and bowl service. Basically, it's going to be a time of worship interspared with praying. All of it will be done together. Harp and bowl service, August 16th. And then in August 23, August 23, we're going to have what we call here a kingdom conversation. What is a kingdom conversation? A kingdom conversation is, is a time when we all come together and I sit and you ask me the questions. So kingdom conversation, August 23, we're going to be asking, discussing, and taking questions relating to what we've been teaching for the past six weeks on race, relations, and reconciliation. Let me say that again. Race, relations, and reconciliation. Please take note. All questions must pertain to that subject matter. This is not a time to ask me whether your dog, when it dies, will go to heaven. But ask questions that are relevant to race, relations, and reconciliation. Amen? I've been teaching now, this is going to be the sixth installment. Uh, the first time we taught on America at Crossroads. The following week, we said, how did we get here? And then after that, we talk about how righteousness and justice met at the cross. Then we talk about time for reawakening. Then last week, we addressed the way forward. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking on the diversity and oneness of the human race. So what I'm saying is we want all your questions to be relevant to the subject matter. Now, 
So you can send your questions in, and the deadline to receive your questions is August 9th, 2020. August 9th, that's what we're telling you now in advance. August 9th, 2020, you can send in all your questions, and you can send them to admin at workfriendusa.org. Admin at workfriendusa.org, or you can send them through WhatsApp, and the phone number for that is 470-461-1100. That number again, 470-461-1100. Now, lastly, there are some of you who say, you know what, I want to come in person and ask my question. We're able to take a few of you that wants to come in person even though we are not open to the general public yet, but if you want to come and ask your questions in person for that Kingdom Conversation, August 23, we will be able to take you however we are asking you to please let us know of your intention to come in person by reaching, us, reaching out to us on the WorkFan website. Amen? So again, we're able to receive a few of you if you let us know that in advance by reaching out, reaching out to us on the WorkFan website. And so this morning now, let me just get into the message. Hallelujah. This is installment number six. The diversity and oneness of the human race. Uh, you know, a few years ago, I believe it was 1993, uh, I took uh, a mission trip to Moscow, uh, Russia, shortly after the fall of communism, after the fall of the USSR. And I could not tell you how struck I was by what I, see, what I saw in Moscow. And simply, that's simply saying, all the automobiles, every car on the road in Moscow, the capital of Russia, was either white or black. No other colors. Every car, I said to myself, my goodness, what? I mean, are there no other colors than white and black? But that's what, that's what it was. There was no diversity. Everything was the boring white or black cars, and that's it. That's all you got. Because communism did not give them a lot of choices. There was no diversity. There was no variety. So you contrast that as we travel from nation to nation, uh, Myanmar, uh, Vietnam, Thailand, and we get into these nations that are non-English speaking nations. And yet when we get into the services and they begin to sing in those diverse dialects and diverse language, even though we do not understand the language, there was something unique about the fact that the Spirit of God was speaking through them. And even though we did not speak their dialects or their languages, we could, get, we, could get, we, could, we could get into the worship and really began to flow together with them. So diversity, defined in where Merriam-Webster dictionary says, the condition of having or being composed of different elements. The inclusion of different types of people, of different races or cultures in a group or organization. To spread out activities or investments. Now, some of you that understands money and wealth creation, when you, talk about, when you talk about portfolio, immediately you understand diversity. You understand that in order to have a portfolio that generates income, 
that becomes wealthy, you have to diversify. You can buy mutual, uh, mutual uh, stocks, mutual funds rather, bonds, stocks, etc., etc. I, I, all kinds of stuff. You divert, You don't put all your money, all your all your money in one particular uh, uh, entity. You diversify. But the goal at the end of the day, whether it's stocks, bonds, mutual funds, RRA, the goal at the end of the day is to create wealth. That's the reason for which you have diversified investment portfolio. So that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you still come out on top. Well, God is the same. God's creation is a testimony to the beauty and diversity that we see in God. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. You look at creation. Look at the animal kingdom. Look at the fruits. Look at flowers. Everything in God is diverse. How will it be if the only food we can eat is orange? There are no apples, no peaches, no strawberries. But God in his diversity created so many various kinds of fruits or even animals. Amen? Think of fish. If all you have is catfish, you'll be in trouble. But thank God for Mahi Mahi. Thank God for halibut. Thank God for salmon. Thank God for cod. And on and on and on and on. About lobsters. About oysters. I mean, it goes on and on. Variety, diversity is who God is. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. The Bible says there are diversities of gifts. Think about that. We are all gifted, but in diverse areas. But the same spirit... There are differences of ministries. Thank God for that. But the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. But it is the same God who works all in all. So we see that even though we have different giftings, different areas of ministries, we have uh, different activities but it is the same God, only the same one God that is working on and on. So as I go into this message this morning on the diversity and oneness of the human race, I want to establish several things. Number one, we have a common humanity. And please go with me to Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 28. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Acts 17, 26 through 28 from the Passion Translation. Here we go. Look at what it says. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity. Woo, we can take a pause right there. From one man. And he, God, spread us over all the earth, he said, the boundaries of people and nations determining their appointed times in history. Verse 27 and 28, go on. He has done this so that every person will long for God, feel their way to him, and find him, for is the God who is easy to discover. Last verse, verse 28. It is through him 
that we live and function and have our identity just as your own poet have said. Our lineage comes from him. So here is Paul speaking to the Athenians in Acts 17 at mass hero. And he saw that they were worshiping all these different idols. And he found a way to bring them together, to unify them by telling them that even though they belong to different uh, sects, they belong to different uh, entities, they belong to different uh, ethnicities, that all of us, at the end of the day, came from a common humanity. Hallelujah. Now, it is interesting when we look at the creation in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that God spoke and things came into existence. He spoke, light came. He spoke, rivers were formed. He spoke and things came to existence. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that. However, when it came to the creation of man, man was not made by the spoken word. Selah. <laughs> Of everything that God made through the spoken word, man was an exception. Please give me Psalms 133, verse 13 and 14. It didn't speak man into existence. How truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers. No, 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 no. Psalms 139. Thank you. Verses 13 and 14. That's a great scripture, but that's not what I want. Here we go, praise God. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I will praise thee. Why? For I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So here we see how man was created. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, when you put that together with Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, the Bible says we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Therefore, man was a delicate deliberation, or rather delicate deliberate creation of God. In other words, when you put these verses of scriptures together, you come up with an idea that God was like an artist, creating something unique. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So every man, every woman, we know were made, created in God's image and likeness. No matter who you are, no matter the color of your skin, no matter where you live on the face of this earth, you were made, created in the image and likeness of God. The entire human race was birthed through Adam and Eve, who is the mother of all the living. The implication of that is that George Floyd was actually killed by his own brother, just as Cain killed Abel. Every person that we are ever going to meet from wherever they come from on the face of this earth is a person that's been made 
in the image and the likeness of God. And then as a result of that, Psalms 8, I will not go there, I will not go there, but Psalms 8 verses 3 to 5 reminds us that because we were made in God's image and likeness, God crowned all of us with glory and honor. Whether you are white, black, brown, Asian, no matter where you came from, primitive or progressive, it doesn't matter. You are crowned with the glory and the honor of God. That's the bottom line. Therefore, to curse with our lips, with our hearts, and with our minds, or to dishonor any person that God has made in his image, is in the end to dishonor God who made them. Mm. If I ever dishonor any person, no matter who they are, where they are from, in essence what I'm doing is I'm dishonoring God who made them. To demean or deny the full dignity of any human person is to demean and to deny the glory and the dignity of God himself. So number one, we see that we have a common humanity. Secondly, as I move on in this message, we also have common shame. So number one, I said we have common humanity. We all came from Adam. But number two, we also have what? Common shame. Just as we share the same glory, we also bear the same shame. We all inherited the sinful nature of our parents. Whether you are white, black, brown, no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, primitive or progressive, we all inherited the sinful nature of our parents. Adam and Eve were our first parents right down to the present day. Please give me Romans 5.18 in the NLT. We share common humanity and we share common shame. Romans 5.18, LLT, look at what it says. Yes, Adam's, the one, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. The emphasis there is everyone. White, black, brown, no matter who you are. Adam's sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God a new life for everyone. Glory to God. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22, also in the NLT. Thank you very much. Just as everyone dies, because we all belong to Adam. Did you say that? Everyone, everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone, white, black, brown, no matter who you are, primitive, progressive, everyone. Everyone who belongs to Christ will also be given new life. So because of our common humanity and because of our common shame, there is no one who may feel morally superior. No one. 
we all bear the same humanity, and we all bear the same shame. So none of us should feel morally superior. Why? We all bear exactly the same shame. Romans 3, verse 12. Romans 3, 12. All have turned away. All have become useless. Did you see that? All, all, A-L-L, all. White, brown, black, no matter who you are. Primitive, progressive, everywhere. Outside of Christ, all have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. Ho, 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 ho. Hallelujah. I'm feeling good in this place this morning. Glory to God. Verse 23, the same scripture. For everyone has sinned. White, black, blue, brown, no matter who you are. Everyone, that's out of Christ, has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So what's the reason for our moral superiority? There's no one that's good. All have sinned. All have come short. None of us is more superior than the other. So we see we have a common humanity. We have a common shame. But thank God for Jesus. Now let's look at our humanity in Christ. Because Jesus in his earthly ministry demonstrated utter disregard for the sense of superiority of so many of his contemporaries. I mean, he just came out of the box, brought the box, and did everything that they didn't expect for him to do. Why? Because Jesus recognized the dignity of each person, whether Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, white, black, brown, Asian, whoever you may be. He recognizes the dignity of each person. So in Isaiah chapter 49, in verse 6, the Bible gave us a, 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 a hint of Jesus' job description. Isaiah 49 verse 6. Look at what it says. Indeed, he says, that is God speaking, it is too small a thing that you, Jesus, should be my servant to raise up tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. That's too small a job. To send you from heaven just to save Israel, that's, that's, that's too small a job. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you shall be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This was the guiding mission statement for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he came to the Jews first, but he understood that his mission reached way beyond just ministering to the Jews. And therefore, in John chapter 4, in verse 4, in the KJV, John 4, 4, in the KJV, look at what it says. Okay, you gave it to me in the KJV. That's fine, but the, but the KJV says... <laughs> He must needs go through Samaria. Look at what it says. And he must needs go through Samaria. That's old English. But the idea here is he had other choices. He could have gone through some other route to get to his destination. But because he understood the mission statement of his life, 
that he was sent not just to the Jews, but to the entire earth, to the Jews and the Gentiles. He now made a quality, intentional decision that he must needs go through Samaria. Just to give you a background on that. At this time, the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They looked down upon them. They saw them as second-class citizens. In fact, the Jews at that particular time thought that dogs were better than Samaritans. That's how bad it was. So Jesus, knowing that as a Jew, was about to debunk that theory, wanted to shatter that kind of mindset. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. So intentionally, he went through Samaria. Why? Because he knew he would encounter a Samaritan woman, a woman who was despised, who was ostracized, who was looked down upon to lift her up. Amen? Now, I'm not going to go through through the rest of the scriptures, but I give you the references. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, ministry, I mean rather, Jesus' ministry was based in a Gentile territory. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, Jesus encountered a Gentile centurion. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28, Jesus again encountered a Canaanite woman. Now, Understand the mindset in the time he was doing all of this. The mindset was the Jews basically had no dealings with anyone that was not a Jew. And yet Jesus in his earthly ministry to demonstrate the dignity of all the human race, Jew or Gentile, white or black, brown or Asian, whoever you are, primitive or progressive, he made it his job. He made it his lifestyle to walk across the ethnic lines, to transcend in his ministry and his caring and his love across racial lines. And in Acts 9.15, let's read that one. Acts 9.15, he calls the apostle Paul and he gives him a mission. But the Lord said to him, go, for it's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Notice the priority of first mention. Paul's ministry, first and foremost, was to be sent to the Gentiles. Those who in that day were totally, completely despised of the Jews. So Jesus in doing this, was declaring to us his passion, as he said in John chapter 10. Let's go to John 10, 16. John 10, 16. He said this in John 10, 16. He had a passion that there will be one flock and one shepherd. Hallelujah. Look at what it says, John 10, 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Remember how we started? We have diversity but oneness. We have diversity, but oneness of the human race. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them, thank God, Jesus was thinking about you, about me and you, way back then. Them also I must bring. Oh, glory to God. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock. 
and one shepherd. Glory to God. In Christ Jesus, we do not have two flocks. We have one flock. Whether you are white, black, brown, green, Asian, it does not matter what your ethnicity or your color is. We are all part of one flock under the one shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. My, 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 my. Give me Ephesians chapter 2. No, let me leave that alone. Let me just move on. Let me move on. So, three things I've established so far. Our common humanity, our common shame, and our humanity in Christ Jesus. Now, let me go on and address the longing of Jesus' heart. My number four point. The longing of Jesus' heart. In John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. John 17, verses, verses 20 and 21. This is the heart of Jesus as he was going to the cross. As he was approaching that cross, there was one major thing going on in his heart, and he was praying for this one thing. What is it? I do not pray for this alone. Did you hear that? Oh, God, help us to understand what he's saying. This is a time when only the Jews were receiving the message. Because the gospel came to the Jews first and then to the Greeks or to the Gentiles. But even as he was approaching that cross, he was not only thinking of the Jews, but according to his prayer, he said, I do not pray for this alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Glory to God. You are saved this morning because of Jesus' prayer in John 17, 20. Yeah. Hallelujah. Verse 21. That they may all be one. Jesus is not praying for sameness. Rather, he's praying for oneness. He's not praying that we all should be black. He's not praying that we all should be white. He's not praying that we all should be brown. He's not saying that we all will look alike, talk alike, and sing alike, and speak the same language. No, 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 no. But he's praying that regardless of your color, your ethnicity, Regardless of your cultural heritage, regardless of your tongue and tribe and nation, regardless of where you are coming from, my God, in him we connect and hook up and we become one flock under God to the glory of God. Now let me ask you a question. Will Jesus' prayer get answered? <laughs> Woo! That they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Last week I spoke on the way forward, and I mentioned the three institutions that God will use to bring race, relations, and reconciliation to our world. The family, 
So at home, we must be telling our children, we are all one. We, are may, we may not be the same. We may not look alike. But we are all one. One flock under one God. Our governments, our legislation must not just favor a few against the rest, but our legislation should be to serve and to protect all of us as one entity in one nation under God. But most importantly, at church, we must teach, we must breathe, we must talk, we must walk oneness and not just sameness. Because that's when the world will believe that God sent us. It is the unity of his body as one. In a few weeks, our NFL football players will suit up. Pats on, helmets on, playing. Notice in any team, they don't all play the same position. You have a quarterbacks, linemen, running backs, safeties, kickers, different positions. Not sameness, but when they suit up and they're wearing that jersey, when they say the Atlanta Falcons, positions are irrelevant. There is only one goal as a Falcon, regardless of my position. I am looking to cross the end line to score and to win. We win as a team, not as individuals. So it's the unity of a team coming together. And if you're European, you understand soccer. Everybody on the team cannot be a goalkeeper. Everybody on the team cannot be, uh, what, a striker or defenseman. 11 positions, but one team. And the goal of the team is to win. You win when we play together, not when we play separately. We know some teams in Africa. They have individuals, stars, but we can never bring them together. And because of that, they always come up short, no matter how good they are. They have not learned the lesson of collaboration. They've not learned the lesson of coming together as one. So Jesus' cry and prayer this morning is oneness, not sameness. We may have many differences in our humanity. We are different in size, in shape, in beauty, in color, in language and culture. But these differences are absolutely insignificant in comparison to what unites us. But our glory has been created together in God's image and likeness. And our shame of the fallen nature, fallen nature in Adam. This was what Paul was saying to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 3, in verse 28, he said, there's neither Greek nor free. No, there's neither free, bond or free. Greek nor Jew. Male or female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Now the good news this morning is that Jesus' prayer will be answered. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation 5, 9. Revelation 7, 9. 
In Revelation 5, 9, this is what it says. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take this scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Watch this. Out of every tribe <laughs> and tongue and people and nation. So Jesus redeemed us out. Ooh, out of every tribe, out of every tongue and people and nation. We see the same scripture in Revelation 7, 9. I will now read that. And also in 14, 6. Let me now close by talking for a minute about the hindrances to our unity. What is causing us not to be united? What is causing us not to come together as one? Very quickly. If you give me Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Philippians 3, verses 4. In the, in the Passion Translation, please. Philippians 3, 4 through 6. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Start from verse 4. Ah, Philippians 3, 4 through 6. It's true that I once relied on all that I had become. You see that? I went to Harvard, I went to Princeton, I'm privileged, I went to Yale, on and on and on and on. This is Paul speaking about himself. I had a reason to boast and impress people with my accomplishments. I'm an upper class man. I'm a quarterback. I'm white, I'm black, I'm brown. I'm red, I'm tall, I'm short, whatever it is. More than others, for my pedigree was impeccable. Do you know who I am? Do you know my household? My father was the president of my village uh, association. <laughs> whatever that means, if that will get you anything done. <laughs> verse 5, verse 5. I was born a true Hebrew of the heritage of Israel. My God, do you understand? I'm a pure-blooded American. I'm a pure-blooded Asian. I'm a pure-blooded Indian. I'm a pure-blooded Nigerian. Do you know who I am? Do you know my household? I was born a true Hebrew, which means by implication, Paul is saying there are some that are not true Hebrews. And in fact, it's, it's so in, in Scripture, Acts chapter 6, the heady list Jews. I won't get into that now. Of the heritage of Israel as the son of a Jewish man from the tribe of Benjamin, not just that I'm a Hebrew, Go and check it out. Look, go and check out my tribe. Benjamin. I'm a Yankee. I'm not a southerner with southern draw, iced tea, or chitlin, and uh, uh, grits. No, I'm a Yankee. You, you meet me in New York, man. I'm from Philly, the city of brotherly love. Yeah, you know, we, we got it together. Yeah, yeah, I, we got the swagger. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? But not only that, I was circumcised on the eight days after my birth. I didn't miss it. Some of you guys, they, they managed to circumcise you on the 10th day, 12th day. They give excuses and reasons. But for me, I did not miss the appointment. I was raised in the strict traditions of the Orthodox Judaism. Ah, you guys don't know? I went to Christian school. Ah, Christ school, I do kitty. That's where I went. I went to Bethlehem Christian Academy. I went to Hebron Christian Academy. Yeah, I went to Woodward Academy. I went to West Point. I mean, all these things we throw out there to give us a edge, a leg up. Living a separated and devout life as a Pharisee. Verse 6. 
and concerning the righteousness of the Torah? Are you kidding me? I was an altar boy, raised by Reverend Fathers, St. Thomas Aquinas University, Notre Dame, the hunchbacks. We are the ones. No one surpassed me. I was without peer. Do you see this? Do you see this? This was happening at work every day. This was happening at school every day. Different one of us using our so-called human accomplishment. Furthermore, as a fairy defender of the truth, I persecuted the messianic believers with religious zeal. Ah, go to Liberty University. You know what I'm talking about. Go to RRU. You understand what I'm saying? So basically, the hindrances to our unity, number one, pride of heritage. Number two, security in our cultural identity. And number three, comfort in our color. Pride of heritage, security in our cultural identity, and comfort in our color. How do we overcome this? Going back to the scripture, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. That same passage. How do we overcome these hindrances? Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. Okay. Let me quickly find that. Philippians. <laughs> awesome. Praise God. Chill out, man. Philippians chapter 3. Verses 7 through 9. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. What things are we talking about? Our pride of heritage, our security in our cultural identity, and our comfort in our color. I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 8. Yet indeed, I also can all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. What's the point? Very simply. This is the point, and this is my closing. And we can find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. How do we overcome these hindrances? Paul says he counts all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, the, the pride of heritage, the security in our cultural identity, and the comfort in our color. Count it all lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. This is the, my final point. Jesus Christ is our emulsifier. Jesus Christ is our emulsifier. Now, what am I talking about? An emulsifier is a liaison between two liquids that normally won't mix together. If you ever eat sandwiches or hamburger, a major ingredient that makes it taste well Mayonnaise. You got to have mayonnaise in your sandwich. 
You've got to have mayonnaise in your hamburger. It makes it taste good. But don't you understand that mayonnaise is a product of emulsification? Mayonnaise is made from two things that normally don't mix together, oil and water. I don't care how you try it. You put them together, they will separate. You put them together, they will separate. You put them together, they separate. That is what happens in our racial ethnic lines sometimes. Trying to come together without an emulsifier. We are trying to see sameness and it doesn't happen and we get frustrated to your tent, O Israel. We all back into our corners. But Jesus Christ is our emulsifier just as an egg is the emulsifier for mayonnaise. When you put water and oil in an egg, the two liquids that normally don't get along, that cannot mix together, all of a sudden, they find a commonality in the egg, and bingo, they come together, here comes mayonnaise. In Christ Jesus, whether you're Greek or Jew, white or black, brown or whatever, no matter your ethnic background, when we come out of our tribe, come out of our tongue, come out of our people, come out of our nation, and step into Christ, oh, glory to God, then you see the fulfillment of the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Give it to me. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I do no longer see myself as a black man or a white man or a brown man or a red man. Yes, I don't lose my blackness. No, I don't lose my whiteness. No, I don't use, lose my orangeness or brownness. No, but when you come to Christ, you put that identity aside and you assume and become the identity of Christ Jesus. And in Jesus, there is no discrimination. In Jesus, there's no racial preferences. In Jesus, we are all equalized. Yes. That is the message of the church to a world that is confused, that is angry, and that's looking for answer. The answer is only found in Jesus. Jesus is the emulsifier of the human race. He created us all, and only him can bring us all back together. And so, Father, we want to thank you. As we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and thank you for your grace to lay down our petty differences, to not pursue sameness, but rather to make oneness our goal because that's the prayer you prayed. So, Father, we thank you that by your spirit, you've made us one. And we humble ourselves to accept what you have done. 
even though our mind may struggle against it. We cast down that imagination on every high thing that subjects itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And so, Father, we thank you. I'm one with my white brother, with my brown sister, with whoever it is that's on the face of this earth. I realize we all belong to one race. And that race is found in Jesus Christ. So help us as we humble ourselves and believe your word to change. May that change begin with us. The change to start seeing others as you see them. Thank you, Father, that we no longer demean anyone. We no longer curse anyone with our lips, our minds, or our hearts. But in love, we prefer others above us. Thank you, Father God, that we're able to cast aside our ethnicity and to embrace our oneness in you. So help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.